I don't know about you, but this past week's been a crazy week. I, I, it's been crazy weather-wise, but there's been all sorts of things going on. Um, like I said, it's, uh, it's been an up-and-down week uh, weather-wise, but also even just personally. It's just been a, a funny week. I've done everything this week except go fishing, which if you know me, that's not my normal week at all. But uh, with golfing and cutting trees and uh, swatting mosquitoes and golf tournament thrown in there, and it's just been a, been a funny week. But you know what remains the same? God's Word. And thank goodness for that. And this morning, we're going to continue on in our series uh, in Second Peter. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, I mentioned fishing because Peter is one of my favorites because he was a fisherman. Um, and he not only fished for fish, but obviously God turned him around so that he could fish for men. And so we appreciate that, and <clears throat> I appreciate PJ's even message this morning about investing in the next generation for the kingdom to come, because Peter, in many ways, is doing the same thing here. He's writing that letter to a church that he knows, and a lot of them are younger, but guess what? That writing continued on, and we're still reading it today, and this still applies today to what's going on in our lives now, and so God's preserved that. And certainly Peter can say, I did invest in that next generation and the generations to come after that. And, you know, we never know how God's going to use us to do that impact, but for how long and for how many generations that will go, our responsibility is just to reach the next one. Or maybe if we're fortunate enough to reach the one after that. So it was a good reminder this morning. Now, if you're visiting with us here today or if you missed a week, don't worry. I'm going to catch you up. We're going to kind of just go through it. Yes, we've been in Second Peter, but guess what? We've been there for a little while. We've kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, we're, not, we're not speeding through. I mean, for three chapters, I think we're on maybe week four or five. But you know what? It's okay, because sometimes we need to, to slow our reading down. We need to kind of marinate on God's Word a little bit and let it seep in, let it do some work, let it break down some barriers. And so uh, we've been going at this at a, a little bit slower pace, but I'm going to get through chapter two today, so don't worry. We're kind of in that, that middle part of the book of Second Peter. If you remember, we, we did First Peter, and First Peter was a different message. It was a message to have them persevere, right? And this letter comes shortly thereafter, and this letter has a little more directness to it. There's a, a threat that's happening. Yes, the Roman threat is still there. They're still under persecution, but now the threat is within. There are false teachers and false prophets among them. And so that's the, the, the main theme that Peter is addressing here and then what to do with it. But first off, he says, hey, you've been given everything. Remember that? Chapter 1, right? His divine power has given us everything that we need. Not a little, not some, not half, but everything that we need. Speaking to believe for a godly life through our knowledge of him, right? He called us, especially, again, he's speaking to believers. We have all the tools, we just don't use them. And if we have the base tools, he says, then you need to make every effort to add to them, right? We talked about that. We spent quite a bit of time in chapter one that after salvation, we don't just sit and wait, right? We just don't stop, but we need to be adding to our faith, right? Knowledge, godliness, goodness, right? Those seven characteristics. Self-control, 
perseverance, mutual affection, and love. And so we, we went off with those instructions of how do we do that, right? And what's the purpose that we do those things? You want to remember what's the purpose? Why, why do we do what, that? Why do we keep adding? Why do we keep striving to become more and more like Christ? Remember the, the negative side of that? Because we will become unproductive and ineffective. And certainly we, want, we don't want to do that. Then we looked at the problem, right? And we spent the end of chapter 1 all the way into chapter 2 and where we are this morning talking about those false teachers. And again, this is not a new problem. It wasn't a new problem even in Peter's day, right? This is something that was going on in the Old Testament. And so Peter brings out that, hey, there are always going to be those among you, those false teachers, false prophets. They're going to lead you away. They're going to have flowery words. They're going to, they have a different intent, right? They're not there to help you. They're there to help themselves. We talked about the greed and quite often follows them and how they speak. And then we kind of got into the, the next section last week. You talked a little bit about what to do with that, right? Peter doesn't say that we, we throw them out of the church. He doesn't say that we attack them. He doesn't say that we spend a lot of time battling them. It's just be aware of them, right? And then how do we stand with that? Right? Back to chapter 1, right? We, we spend time in God's Word. We talked about how important the Scriptures are. In fact, I even used that illustration, and I'll use it again just to remind you, right, that the old bank tellers used to study the $50 bill, and they would look at the original. They didn't look at all the fakes that are out there, because there were hundreds of them, little differences and all that. But if you know the original, then you can spot the fake. And so if you know God's Word, and you know it really well, and you keep adding to that, then guess what? You're going to spot the fake. You're going to say, that's not quite right. If you ever been listening to something, even on the radio sometimes, and all of a sudden it's like, hmm, something's not quite right. It doesn't sound bad. Uh, one of the things, uh, the negatives about being on social media and Facebook is a lot of times there's posts, right? And I call them like bumper stickers. There's a lot of quick one-liners, right? And they look good from the beginning, right? And I say, oh, I could almost agree with that. And then I'm like, but you know what? I'm not sure I could back that up scripturally. In fact, and the more I look at it, the more I... I study, I'm like, you know what, that's not even true, right? And we, we've talked about some of those things, right? One of the ones that I've, I've mentioned before, right? Forgive and forget, right? It's not in Scripture anywhere, and if we be honest, we don't forget. We are to forgive. Again, it's, we don't forget the offense. That's just one of many. And again, it creeps in. Those false teachings can affect how we interact, how we behave in a church setting, and again, if we're not careful, our theology gets skewed and we get pulled away. One well, of the other ones, well, I don't need church. That's uh, another one that's out there, right? I don't need the body of Christ. Um, that's not scriptural at all. All right, I'll get back off my soapbox. All right, let's get into the scriptures. Verse 17, you're up to date now, you're caught up. And here he, again, he's talking about these false teachers, Right, it's a continuation, right? He has a lot to say about them because he knows they're there and he knows they're going to continue to be there. So verse 17 says, These people, he's talking about the false teachers, are springs without water. 
They're mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. Right? Peter is saying here, basically, their judgment is already on them. But he's also saying they're empty, right? They make promises they can't keep. Certainly, if you look at the prosperity gospel, that's one of those that's it's empty. It's, it's meaningless. It, it's not founded in Scripture, right? And so he's saying the people that promote that are empty inside. They're, they're not giving you anything. Again, they have ulterior motive. And he says darkness is reserved for them, right? And we talked a little bit earlier in the chapter about how God's going to take care of them. We don't have to judge them. God's going to take care of them. Verse 18, it says, For they mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Again, these are important to look at, right? It's, it's a way to identify them, right? Boastful words, right? They become prideful. Sadly to say, I've lived long enough to watch some of the, the, the up-and-coming larger pastors or even some good teaching pastors, and they start out really well. They do. They start, they out, start out solid, and they're in God's Word. And, and, and I used to recommend a lot of different teachers, but over time, they get off. They get off track. Unfortunately, some of their fame got to them and got to their lives. And again, after a while, they became so popular, they had to do something to keep themselves in front of the limelight. And sadly, a lot of them will say something outrageous. They'll go off the tracks or they'll go on the outer edge or they'll say, hey, God gave me a special word. And all of a sudden, they come back into the limelight because they're controversial. So even, but it's not truth. And they go astray. Right? So even if they start out well, they don't always finish well. They get further and further away from the truth. And again, that feeds that pride, at the, the base lust of it. The, the, the end of it is that lustful desire for the flesh. And you also see the problem here is that it says that they entice others away. And that's the real crime in, in many ways, is that they pull other people away from it. They, they get other people to believe them. I always say you have to be careful that you don't become a follower of someone and forget who you're not following God, right? We only follow God. We don't follow a person. I'll even say it, including Pastor Charlie. Please don't, don't, don't follow me in that, right? Because it can, it can lead people astray. Verse 19, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has them mastered. Right, that's, uh, you know, hey, we're freeing you up. And I, and I remember some of the movements in the past where, hey, we're, we're getting away from church the way it used to be. We're getting away from uh, the law. We're getting away from all the rules, and we're, we're free, right? Yet, sadly, you become a slave, though, to whatever sin that you get entangled with, whether it be addiction or something else or whatever idol you put in there, you become a slave to it. Also, as I was looking at this, they themselves become a slave to it, right? They become a slave to their own ministry. They become a slave to their own teaching, right? They've gone down a certain path, and they've, they've got a gathering or a following. They have to keep feeding that. Again, another sign of a false teacher. They have a, a following. And I'm not saying that there's not large gatherings. That's certainly not a numbers thing. But if it gets too big, and sometimes it, it can, you want to question what 
What are they really selling? Right? Are they selling themselves, product, a feeling, an emotion? Because, again, or are they sticking to God's word? But in some ways here, you can almost feel bad for them because, again, they become enslaved in that. They can't get out of it. Many times they, they give up their own relationship with God. It can be very lonely. It can very, be a very dark place for them. Verse 20. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It's kind of an interesting phrase here, but it's something else that I've found to be true as well, is quite often a believer, if they go back into the sinful life and they get further away from God, they are. They're worse off than when they didn't know, right? PJ used to have this young girl in our study, dear, sweet person. We, Both PJ and I have spent a lot of time with this couple, and she used to go to Bible study, and she would say, oh, I hate coming to Bible study. And Peach's like, why? You seem to be liking it. She says, yeah, but now I'm responsible. And now it's no fun anymore. Right? You know, ignorance is bliss, as they say, but when it comes to God's word, it's true, right? As we grow in our faith, as we study more, now we're responsible for more. We're like, oh, yeah, that's not okay anymore. That's a sin, or I can't keep doing that. So it's kind of here with reverence, right? Even these teachers, if they once knew what was good and they've gotten away, they're worse off, right? They deceive themselves. I also had another friend who used to, he actually was in, a, in jail for a time. He was a felon uh, for writing bad checks. But he says, you know, I always used to worry about my, my salvation because he says, I could convince myself, I can convince anybody of anything. He says, I was good at lying. And he says, but now that I know the truth, man, what a tough place that is. He says, I'm always questioning myself. I'm always double-checking. You know, and we used to go fishing together, and he's long since been with the Lord. There was a, you know, you know, I said, Bob, how big was that fish really? Was it this big, or was it, you know, one of these things? You know, it's this big, right? Or maybe not. Yeah. But we'd have a good laugh. But it's true, right? Once we know truth, we're now responsible for it. We're responsible for doing what God's Word says. And so that becomes a, a burden if we don't. And again, we're worse off. That, that thing that seemed fun, that, that sin that seemed enjoyable at that time, now all of a sudden doesn't have that same appeal any longer. Which is a good thing. Here, too, he's talking about but it's not good if you're the person that's in it. Interesting here, too, he's talking about believers, right? They were believers. If Some of these false teachers are believers. Not all false teachers are non-believers. thing is, they could be either. Makes it a little bit tougher for us, right? We, we don't know that. But as I've often said, we are poor judges of people's salvation, right? We don't. We're not qualified. We, we can't see the heart. You know, we, we can look at some of the things they do, but even that is not a true indicator of the heart. And so we're better off leaving that to God. That one was free. That wasn't in my notes. That's just a bonus point. But it's true. Verse 21, it said, It would have turned their backs them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it. And then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. 
right? It, it would have been better in the beginning if they didn't know and, and, and just stayed lost. But now that they do know and they've turned their back, right? They're making a decision at this point. You know, we, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about the, the prodigal son and that, that believer that left and he sinned boldly, right? And then he had to come back humbly. And we look for that, right? We look for those, those prodigal sons. Well, God is the same way here with a lot of these teachers and false prophets. He's, he's waiting for them to come back. But sadly, many of them don't. They just stay lost. They stay where they were. And interestingly enough here, Peter goes back to the Old Testament. He kind of gives us a visual, right? Something that, that helps us is a reminder to this, right? It's a, I love the, the proverb that he uses here. He says that these proverbs are true in verse 22. It says, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Again, you didn't think I was going to talk about vomit this morning, I'm sure, right? And if, you, you know, if your stomach's a little queasy, I'm, I apologize. But the scripture says that, right? But again, it's talking about that believer that goes back to their old ways, right? Goes back to the sin that they were entangled in. It's a, it's a sad day when that happens, and it's hard to watch, right? It's hard to watch, and I know many of you have family and friends that you know of that have gone back to their sinful ways and have totally rejected God's word, and that's hard. It's hard to watch, and we can predict the outcome. We know what may happen if they continue on in that. I remind you, though, we need to continue to pray for them. And we also need to remain open to them when they do come back. Not to heap condemnation on them, but to love them, to love them back in. It's a, it's a tough thing, right? We have to keep our hearts open to that. He also uses a, a sow, and again, I, I think I've mentioned I'm not a, a pig farmer, so I don't know this to be true or not, but, uh, and I've never washed a pig. I've eaten a lot of bacon, but that's... Uh, <laughs> some of you guys are shaking your head. Some of the band of brothers, they know I eat a lot of bacon. They, but, but it says it returns, right? It goes back to it. It's the same thing. The interesting thing about the... The, the, the dog and the vomit is an internal thing, and the, the, the sow that gets washed is an external thing. Yeah, you didn't think that was in there, right? I, I spent a little more time with that, and it's, it's kind of interesting, um, but if you, some commentators have taken that to mean that Peter used these two particularly because it can mean either or, right? It can be a heart problem, right, with a dog. It's from the internal. It's an internal problem. And returns to that, that inner thing that never got taken care of. Or the sow, it just goes back to that lifestyle, but it's the outside influences. I challenge you to study that out a little bit more. Uh, again, the Proverbs just gives us the proverb. But, but again, we can be corrupted. We can just go back to the old ways or back to the old places, and we get it on us, right? I think another illustration that I had read, it's, it's like walking through a coal mine in a white dress, right? It's impossible to walk through there without getting some of the dirt and dust on you. And so in reference to these teachers and reference to believers, we have to be careful where we place ourselves as well. We have to be careful what we take in internally, but we also have to be careful where we surround ourselves. We 
quite often I've been blessed to teach young men, and I've said, hey, the, the people you hang out with, you have to examine. You have to be careful. I know Teen Challenge does a good job of that, saying you need to change your environment, right? Now, I know it doesn't change the heart. You can still have the same sin in, inside and the same heart, but sometimes changing your environment does give you new opportunity, and it helps break some of those, those um, I can't think of the word now, the Triggers, there we go, triggers, that's the word I was looking for. Those things that, that ensnare you, those temptations, there we go, right? So if you can get away from those. Now, if you just do that without a heart change, that doesn't always guarantee. I, I had a pastor who once told me that. He says, you know, the only problem with moving or changing location is you bring yourself. Some of you got that. Some of you are going, what do you mean? No. Right? We bring ourselves, and so if it's an internal problem, we still bring that with us. We're still tempted, and we can still find it. And if we want to be honest, if we want to find sin, we can find it anywhere. We can go looking for it pretty easily. So it's interesting with the, 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 the examples that he gives us, and also in light of what he's been talking about. And again, this holds true not only for these teachers, but it holds true for the believer as well. Now, I don't want to leave you on a, a downward or a negative note because the cure is already here. We already have the cure in Scripture, right? And again, we've talked about we don't have to battle these teachers. We don't have to, 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 to go up against them, apologetics. We don't have to argue it out or, or just, you know, battle people who are ensnared. We need to focus on what do we do? Well, how do we examine the Scriptures ourselves? It's okay to question what's being said. I give you permission. Please question even my preaching or anything that I say from here. It's okay. It's not a bad... I will, I will not be offended. I, I'm never offended when someone says, Charlie, I, I'm not sure about that. Or, hey, have you looked at this scripture as well? doesn't bother me at all. I, I would rather have you question and, and you know and let's study it out together. Right? Help me to know better. Help me to, to, to know the scriptures even better at a deeper, more meaningful level. So we, we have everything that we need. We just need to do it. Not to copy the Nike trademark, right? Just do it. But really, that's what we do need to do. We just need to be adding to our knowledge, adding to our faith, persevering through it, self-control, goodness, mutual affection, and love, right? So Peter already gave us the answer. We just got to put it into practice. And so that is my encouragement for you for this next coming week is to really dive deep, right? Take some time. Dive a little bit. Grab a, don't just take a, a, a quick snack or a, a quick scripture, but dive deep into it. Do some study. Find a good commentary and, and dig deeper. See what it, what it means in context. I was recently, I know this is going to sound funny, but Camp Jim actually asked me to teach a class on hermeneutics. I, I'm still amazed. Uh, PJ is still too. She's still in shock that they asked me to teach on hermeneutics at Camp Jim. But really, the study of God's word and going a little bit deeper, right? And study it in context. So one thing I remember very clearly from Bible school, context, right? Who's it written to? 
What was the purpose? What's the background? What's the culture around them when it was written? Those things help us. They, it gives us that perspective. So when sentences mean something, and when you put it to group with the whole letter, the whole context, we get what God's trying to communicate to us. Always be careful about when we have one verse pulled out of context. We can make it say many things. So that's my encouragement for you this week is to dig deeper. Spend some time really reading God's word and studying on it. Don't be in a hurry to rip through a large portion, but really just settle in on a section and dig deeper. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, as we've been studying this morning, Lord, and Lord, the importance of knowing your word, knowing the truth, Lord, so that we can identify those who are teaching falsely. Lord, we also thank you that we don't have to do the battle. The battle's already won, that you've already made judgment on those who have tried to lead others astray. Lord, help us in our own walk that we know where we stand with you. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that today, if you're drawing them to you, Lord, that today would be the day that they would put their trust in you. Lord, we are thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for your willingness to die on the cross for our sins and that you rose again. Lord, we stand on that truth and we love you for it. And Lord, be with us this week as we go from here this morning that we would have a hunger and a thirst to know more of you, to deepen that relationship. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.